This is the Horse Radio Network. This is episode 890 of Horse Tip Daily. A different horse tip, a different equine topic, a different equestrian expert every day. Horse Tip Daily brings the world of equine knowledge to you one day at a time. Greetings, horse people. Coach Jen here, and thanks for tuning in to Horse Tip Daily. Today's tip is all about cold weather horse care and barn care. Christy West from thehorse.com and Dr. Jones, along with the Hit'em crew, cover everything from best cold weather feeding strategies to tractor exhaust. And we'll get right to our tip after this from Fleeceworks. Fleeceworks is proud to announce its latest offering for Western enthusiasts, the Square Wool Underpad. Developed with input from extreme cowboy racing champion Robin Bond, the Fleeceworks 100% merino wool underpad is designed so a Navajo blanket can be used over top, allowing for the custom look you want for competition, while providing your horse the thermal balancing advantages of Fleeceworks 100% merino wool. Fleeceworks Western pads even include removable viscoelastic inserts. Of course, Fleeceworks continues to be your go-to brand for the finest in wool accessories, from grooming mitts that bring out your horse's natural shine to halter and cribbing collar covers that look as beautiful as they fit. Ask for Fleeceworks products at your local tack and feed stores, or you can visit them online at fleeceworks.com. Uh, we're going to talk to Christy from The Horse and Dr. Jones. They come in every week and do a Horse Health Weekly segment. And, you know, it, I guess uh, let's go ahead and say hello to them. But I'm uh, going to talk today a little bit about cold weather care and management simply because, man, it is Thanksgiving. That means Christmas is around the corner. And most of our listeners probably have white Christmases and snow and weather and everything like that. So we want to talk to them about cold weather care and management and find out exactly what we need to do. So let's see. Are you guys on the line? I'm here. I'm here, All right. Christy. <laughs> All right, fantastic, you guys. So uh, let's, let's get started. All right. Well, thank you for giving us the time to talk about this topic today. It's a real important one. As you said, it's, you know, what horses, what kind of shelter horses really need in the wintertime and blanketing and, and things like that. So I'd, I'd like to touch on that first and ask Aaron to tell us a little bit about what kind of shelter a horse really needs in the winter. And moving to Florida is not an option for this question, although a lot of people do that. <laughs> <laughs> you took my answer away. What am I supposed to say now? <laughs> or anyway, uh, the, the type of shelter would be any kind of wind block and a covering over top that would keep the uh, moisture off of them. If they're wet and windy, they can definitely get chilled. But if they have a wind block, and it could just be a line of trees and the tree branches above as they're covering, or it could be a three-sided lean-to. It could be as simple as those type things, or you can get into the big fancy barns and have closed doors, et cetera, et cetera. That's a simple now, one. Now, if you are in that big fancy barn with the closed doors, what's, uh, what's important to keep the horses healthy while they're shut up? The big thing is the ventilation. Those tend to be the biggest problems we have in the uh, northern barns is improper ventilation because you want to keep it nice and tight to keep everything warm, keep the water buckets from freezing, keep the water pipes from freezing, and keep yourself from freezing as well as the horses. But if there's a good ventilation draft going out through the ceiling, if it's well built in that respect, is good. Keeping the dust down by sweeping 
keeping the uh, shaving, choice of beddings and shavings down, the dust in that um, is good. Uh, hay that's very dusty is another source of the ventilation problems there. And that all is, you know, considered in the enclosed environment. Uh, we talked last week about storing the hay in these barns because you don't want to go outside and freeze, but that's really a source of um, combustion and fire even in the cold weather. So you don't want to store all your hay in the barn. You may want to put one bale in there for the next morning or the next evening's feed, but really not much more than what you just need for feeding time. Very good. <clears throat> And I believe Dr. May mentioned last week during our session, you know, when we talk about real estate, the most important factor is location, location, location. And Dr. May, who does a lot of respiratory research up at Michigan State, says that for when you're talking about barns, the, the phrase is ventilation, ventilation, ventilation. And we talked a little bit about ventilation in the aisleways versus in the stalls themselves. Yeah, she said that definitely, yeah, her biggest thing was do not manage your barn from your aisleways. Get in the stalls. See what your problems are there. See, see how the horses are living in that in, in direct environment. You may have a great breeze going down the highway, but it's not affecting the stalls at all. Fair enough, fair enough. And one of the things she mentioned that I thought was a, a good point to mention that uh, a lot of people may not think about, especially when your barn is shut up, but say you've got a tractor hooked up to your spreader and you're driving it down the center highway and pitching things into that to not leave the tractor running and having all those fumes collecting in that closed-up yeah. barn. I thought that was an excellent point. Uh, and she, she did mention the veterinarians. She did mention the veterinarians not letting them run their trucks in there too, as well as the farriers. Right. So don't just think of the manure spreaders. It's also the people coming and going. Your your feed delivery gentlemen, or women, and uh, hay delivery. Oh, absolutely. That's got to be one of the most important things. I mean, you got to think what is bad for you is definitely going to be bad for your horse. They don't have the choice. They don't have a choice to go and stick their head out the window, possibly. They don't have a choice to leave the barn, and they're sitting there breathing in that carbon monoxide. So I think that's a very good point. Don't leave your gators, your tractors, your equipment running inside the barn. Right, because who wants to breathe that all the time? Yeah. <laughs> the other point that she brought up, the other point she brought up, speaking of um, uh, gas-powered items, is those blowers. I have never been a fan of the blowers because as you see the big cloud of dust coming out at the end of the barn, you know that's not healthy going into the stalls where the horse are standing. And it's not healthy for the person running the blowers as well. Blowers are made for leaves and outdoors, not in confined environments like a barn aisleway. Does it help at all to, to mist your barn aisle at all with water before you sweep or blow? Uh, I wouldn't say before you sweep because it'd be easier to sweep without misting. But before you blow, it doesn't still it still doesn't make a difference. You still got dust okay. on the side of the walls. It it really oh. does not make a difference. So no. All right. So don't be lazy. Get put your blower <laughs> away. Put your gloves on and get the broom out. <laughs> and it's good exercise, and it'll definitely warm you up. That's for sure. Oh, the other yeah. thing too. <laughs> the other thing too is there's a, the mechanized items like the billy goat that can suck up the dust and the dirt too. Yeah. I like the double reward of cleaning up the dust and getting warm. And burning calories. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Uh, speaking of calorie requirements, we uh, like to talk a little bit about the elevated calorie requirement that horses may need to stay warm in a very, very cold winter. Again, if they're not being used, your regular feed and hay is going to be enough calorie requirements for them. You also have to think about are they diseased, are they aged, are they young. So all that comes into play with how much grains and hay you're giving them. The hay is a good fiber source for them. It helps their fermentation. It helps utilize energy. They utilize more energy off of it. The grain is actually for your high-energy athletes. Uh, if you can think of it, compare it to a triathlete in the human world, they're definitely going to load up in carbs and those types of meals 
before they do a long race or while they're training heavily. And we would normally not do that if we're just going to work every day. So if you think about your horse who's being trained still five to seven days a week, they're going to be needing extra grain added to their diet. For those that are just going out, hanging out in the pasture, you know, having a nice day like we do, going to work, and it's not a lot of energy they're expending, they could probably stay on the same diet as long as they're not aged, young, or diseased, and those will definitely require a little bit more caloric intakes. Very good. And <clears throat> let's uh, talk a little bit about water as well, because water is very important to help reduce colic, of course, and the horses often don't drink as much in the winter. Why is that? I don't have the, a definite answer of the horses not drinking as much in the winter as, as uh, we would like to hear, but our suspicions and theories are is that they're trying to consolidate their uh, warmth, and if you don't have water that's a little bit on the warmer side, and I don't mean it has to be you know 80 degrees because that would be the worst-case scenario. Horses wouldn't drink that, but if you don't have fresh offering of water, they will decrease their intake because they're primarily trying to conserve you know their, their uh, heat energy, but... Water intake is very important in horses, so you need to make sure that you're busting the ice open uh, once or twice a day, depending on where they're, they're located. If it's in the pasture and you're in sub-below temperatures and your heater's not working, you've got to make sure that they have access to the water 24-7. Your bucket's Obviously. inside. If you don't have a heater for your buckets, they need to have that um, available. The... Um, Automatic waterers, again, we talked about them last week. They're not really my friend. I find them to be my enemy because you really can't monitor how much they're drinking and you get into some problems with horses uh, having some colic issues with not enough water being brought in to help with the fermentation of the hay and the grass that they're possibly eating. Okay, let me interrupt. I have a question about that because to me I feel like, you know, frozen buckets aside, that horses don't drink as much on the cooler days simply because they're not as thirsty and it's not as hot. So uh, what I do sometimes, and, and it sounds like there's a lot of people who probably, uh, you know, do this as well, and I want your opinion on it, is supplementing electrolytes in the feed, uh, not in the buckets because sometimes they won't, my horse won't touch a, a bucket with an electrolyte in it, but uh, do you recommend supplementing electrolytes in their feed to just add to their water intake? It has not been proven to do that, but I always tell my clients to do it. I okay. think that that's very pertinent for them um, to have that extra electrolyte intake. I, I compare it to the salty popcorn at a movie theater. Doesn't that make you go back and get another Coke? Yeah. So the same idea is if they could add some minerals or salt to their normal daily feed, I believe that it helps with the water intake, but there is not, it's not been proven. Really? Never? No. Well, we're going to make a million dollars on that study. <laughs> they do use it in the endurance riding. They do use the paste, and they feel that that has made a big difference with the endurance trail riding horses, is they'll paste them on their brakes to encourage them to drink water, and they do seem to work well there. So, I mean, that would be the primary area to do a study and say, yeah, they definitely increase their water intake. And then some people might argue, well, they're decreasing their water amount in their body, so thus they are going to take it in. So there's two sides to that story. Sure. Well, we're right. We're right. Everybody else is <laughs> I don't think it's a bad thing. The only thing it's going to hurt is the pocketbook. So I, I really encourage it. Yeah, it's cheap enough. We can do it. Seven bucks yeah. or whatever. Get the cheap one. Who cares? But, yeah, I definitely do that, and I encourage everybody to do that as well. I had no idea that there was no background to that at all. <laughs> 
Well, and if it's only hurting your pocket by seven or eight bucks, that's about the same amount as you pay for that vat of Coke at the theater anyway, right? <laughs> the vat is exactly it. <laughs> now, one area, um, back to the winter care and water a little bit, one area where there is some research is on water temperature and how much horses will drink. Is that correct? Yes. And, it, you know, it's the uh, warmer temperature water they will not touch. They will touch stuff that's a, just a little bit over freezing. So you're looking at, what, 30, 32 degrees is your freezing. So anything 35 degrees and more that's melted there, they'll still go ahead and drink. They're also, you know, proven that if they drink that cold water, the old wife's tale was they're going to colic. That's not true at all, especially if you bring them in from a long hack that you've been out or a good trail ride. Bring them back in. You don't want them to drink out of that icy bucket. It's okay. Colic has not been proven to be, be right after drinking very cold water and being worked heavily. So oh, and just let them drink whenever, huh? Absolutely. I mean, just like us, we should have, and we never do, eight glasses of water a day minimum. And that's minimum. People don't realize that that's a minimum for humans. We should have a heck of a lot more than that just to help all the toxins flood through your bodies and get everything going just right. It also speeds up your metabolism. Okay. Win-win. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Get skinny drinking yeah. water. Woohoo! <laughs> now, I thought I remembered, uh, didn't uh, Dr. McDonald at New Bolton or somebody do some work on, like, if you offered horses, um, you know, barely above freezing water and water that was a little bit warmer, they would tend to prefer the colder water, but they, if you only gave them the water that was a little bit warmer, they would actually drink more than if only the cold were available? She did, and I don't remember the exact temperature that she had that at, but yes, um, you know, the, the median temperature being somewhere less than your 70 degree, 75 degree hot water and your 32 degree frozen water was, was perfect. So again, I think the biggest concern is clients are concerned about busting out the buckets and leaking a hole for the horse to put their nose through and that's not good enough for the horse. They may not drink it. They still will. Like you said, it's going to be one of the preferences they'll have. Very now, good. Who's going to make sure that they have 72 degree water for their horse? <laughs> not me. <laughs> Yeah, you don't have to, you know, it's comfortable with your hand in there. How's that? Yeah. <laughs> oh, very good. Well, the uh, last topic I had on my list was uh, winter hoof care. If you're, uh, perhaps if you're riding, you might need to worry about ice balls in their feet or things like that or maybe look into the rim pads or the snow pads. What's your, what's your thoughts on winter hoof care for, if you're riding? Oh, yeah, you definitely have to wor worry about the uh, snowballs in the feet. I remember many days having to stop in the middle of my trail ride, stop and pick them out halfway through the trail ride because they got pretty icy as we went along in the snowy, snowy grounds. The horses, when I took their shoes off, tended to have fewer of those problems. Also, it toughened up their feet, which, you know, that's the biggest complaint by farriers up north is that they can't seem, they have to always have to sharpen their knives from paring out the sole because they are um, pretty tough when they're on those kind of grounds. But, uh, you know, there's a lot of different techniques people have done as minimal as baby oil in the bottom of the feet to help slick out the um, ice balls that form to as much as doing uh, the full pads on the bottom of the feet so that they can avoid Wait, that. What about Pam? I have heard that if you spray Pam <laughs> in the bottom of their feet, that it'll, it'll keep the, the ice from forming. Is that true? I think it's the same as the baby oil idea. It would probably work for a short while, but I've never heard of that and I've never tried it, so that would be a new oh, one on me. <laughs> they told me when I lived in Ohio, just take some Pam and spray it in the bottom of your horse's foot. I'll keep, I, I'm so gullible that they probably were messing with me. <laughs> I'm like, okay, that's a great idea. <laughs> well, you know, I have a very off-the-cuff story, not a horse-related story on that. We used to do what we call Pam dancing at the school for just um, – 
at parties at uh, the different college floors that were made of wood, and we had the music going and a little bit of imbibing of alcoholic beverages. We'd spray paint on the floor <laughs> and get near socks, and it was a pretty nice dance floor. But uh, <laughs> I can see how it possibly work on the bottom of the horse's feet. <laughs> well, absolutely. Okay, well, I'm going to keep that in my, in my back pocket for next time it snows in Phoenix. <laughs> Well, you guys, thank you so much. It has been an absolute pleasure having you guys on. And will, will both of you guys be here next week as well? Yes, I will. This is Erin. I certainly will be here. Okay, yeah, well, We will good. be here. Well, we actually have uh, another, another guest possibly coming on with us to talk about uh, parasites and deworming. Okay, perfect. Well, that will be next week, so everybody tune in then. I hope you all have a happy Thanksgiving. And thank you so much for being a part of Horses in the Morning and providing such awesome information. Well, there you go. And you can find lots more tips on topics ranging from barn care to websites for horse people at horsetipdaily.com. Just look for the topics drop-down menu on the left. If you love listening to the Horses in the Morning gang putting in their two cents on everything horse, along with fascinating interviews from around the horse world, you can tune in every weekday at horsesinthemorning.com. And don't forget to support our sponsors here on Horse Tip Daily because they make these podcasts possible. Today's podcast has been brought to you through the generous support of Fleeceworks. Ask for Fleeceworks saddle pads and accessories at your local tax store, or you can visit them online at fleeceworks.com. And guess what? Now you can have your favorite horse radio network shows with you wherever you go with the free horse radio network app for iPhone and Android. Just go to your app store and search horse radio network. The Horse Radio Network and the Horse Radio Network hosts are not responsible for statements of guests or their opinions. Use your own judgment when listening to the tips provided by the experts on Horse Tip Daily. Music.